For many people, there are areas of their lives that just don't look and feel the way they wish they did. The Next Generation Wellness podcast is dedicated to unpacking the physical, mental, emotional and social stress triggers that stack together and make that experience so. Years of piling these triggers together often leave us feeling overwhelmed, anxious, irritable, depleted or unhappy and operating from a place of self-doubt, comparison, procrastination, perfectionism or busyness. We uncover the science, research and stories of what it takes to live with whole life success, along with improved ways of thinking and the stackable skills and habits to make it stick. If you've listened to episode three, you know exactly what to eat to support your body nutritionally and to be able to get those generous side effects of vitality and energy and having a balanced mood and a, a, a managed weight and being pain-free. But you and I know that quite often the logic doesn't win. You and I know that quite often we're eating or we're drinking something we wish that we weren't. And sometimes we know it in the very moment we're actioning it and consuming it and yet we continue And sometimes we've inhaled it and we're not even sure how it happened until well after we've done it. So we're going to unpack this a little bit because just knowing what to eat is not the only thing. We need to know why we eat. And there's one principle to remember that's really important when it comes to our food so that you don't spend your life with this unhealthy relationship to food in your body. And so you don't spend your life viewing your food choices through a dangerously delusional lens. And the principle is this, what you do most of the time is your position. Now, of course, that applies to many areas of life. It could apply to hard work versus taking shortcuts. It might apply to the grit versus letting yourself off the hook, or it might be the positive sleep rituals you have before going to bed versus binging on Netflix. You can add to the list whatever you like, the principle applies, but the consistent patterns, what you do most of the time, give you a life experience that looks lucky or looks like sleep cycles that are restorative and energy supporting or not. So the principle of what you do most of the time is your position is the same with your food choices. And it is so incredibly important in a culture that has this all or nothing approach and and sends people into failure pretty quickly. So the goal is not to eat perfectly so that life that matches your values sucks because you take all these things away that you enjoy. The goal is not all or nothing. I once worked with a group and there was a lady there and She'd come in and it was a, a, a challenge for a, a period of time where people were trying to lose weight. And unfortunately, this lady came in and she'd done an exceptional job. And I said, how was your week? And she said, oh, not very good. I said, tell me about that. And she shared with us all how good she'd done with her exercise, moving every single day, eating the right foods for her body. And I said, so, so what was the problem? Because that sounds pretty good to me. And she said, well, I ate a, a chocolate frog. And I said, well, how big was the chocolate frog? I'm envisaging to ruin this great week. It had to be the size of a truck. And it was a mini one, a mini chocolate frog. And so the lens was one of all or nothing. And she thought she'd messed it up. But from that moment, the very next step is dangerously self-sabotage, is dangerously thinking, well, I've ruined it. Why bother? You know, you go into this fear response that says, I told you so, here we go again, and we stop every action toward that goal. 
And so this principle one, what you do most of the time is your position, is so vitally important. And it may be something that you take with you as a pattern interrupt statement, that cognitive statement that goes in to interrupt our autopilot. You might put it on a post-it note or on your phone alarm. And if you need to go back to season one of this podcast to understand how we need to interrupt those habitual think, uh, thoughts that go through our mind and those habitual habits and to remind yourself of this, then that might be a really good starting point. But that principle is vitally important. What you do most of the time is your position. And once we get to that and we understand that I haven't ruined it, I haven't fallen off the wagon and and I'm not going into this pattern of self-sabotage next, the very next step is to bring curiosity to what we, what we are experiencing. It allows us to go into a different thinking versus self-criticism that says, I wonder what led me to that. What was my automatic? I wonder, am I actually hungry? I'm wondering if I'm avoiding something or numbing something. Because when we know the driver behind it and we get curious about it, rather than being critical, and which keeps us in that fear response and that status quo behavior, once we get curious to what we eat, we can bring change to that pattern. So usually in these circumstances, we're not eating because we're hungry, But just to check, just in case, you might ask that very question. That might be your next step. It might be, am I hungry? And if you're not, then it's very likely that you need to move on to the next step. To ask that question of, am I hungry? You could simply say, would I eat a whole bowl of broccoli right now? Is that what I'm craving? Because if you're hungry, you'll eat anything, but most likely you're not. So We go on to generally in this state, this negative thing of going, oh, you always eat then when you're not hungry, I told you so, and you've got no willpower. Again, that's not useful thinking at this point. So once you've established that, yes, you perhaps ate or you are eating when you're not hungry, then you can then eliminate that that critical thinking of no willpower and you always do this and move on to finding the hidden motivations, the hidden intentions Again, if you need to understand what I mean by that, then by all means, go back to season one of this podcast in episode four, and we talk about self-sabotage and the story of hidden intentions and how our brain works to to drive us toward behaviors that we don't want to want to do. But let, let me give you, so you've gotten to this stage and you're bringing curiosity in, you're not hungry, and yet you have eaten or you are eating. I want to give you some possible reasons and common hidden intentions that might be showing up for you. So one of the possible hidden intentions is fear. And what I mean by that is there's different ways we're motivated by fear. And very one of the very first things is a fear of wastage. And what that might look like is when you're eating something just because it's going to go off, not because you're hungry, or you're finishing everything on your plate, even though you're not hungry. You might be finishing everything on everyone else's plate in your home. You might be uh, choosing to finish a bottle of wine because you know that it's going to go off and not taste so good by the end of the week. And that very circumstance happened with a lady that I worked with and she desperately wanted to stop drinking as much wine as she was. And so she was quite comfortable having some some alcohol on the weekend, but during the week she didn't want to. But what she noticed, noticed was happening was on that Monday night she would get home and she would open the fridge and she would see it and she'd think, I don't really need that. But this, when we dug into it, what we found was that she had this guilt this emotional guilt that came up when she looked at that. And she knew that by the end of the week, she would be tipping that down the sink and she couldn't do that. She grew up in a home where 
they didn't have a surplus food and surplus money. And so wastage was dangerous. Wastage was something that they didn't do and that was drummed into them as something that was bad. And so what she'd do to get rid of that feeling of guilt is drink that and justify that position because if she just drank a glass for the next couple of days, she would get rid of that and not waste it. So she changed the behavior because she knew that and she picked up that bottle in that very moment and tipped it down the sink. Now she did that a couple of times until she realized that nobody died when she did that and she was okay. And so there's other choices. Of course, you could get a smaller bottle of wine, a little one or different things. But once you know it, you can begin the habits to start to change that automatic hidden intention or hidden motivations that makes you do the thing that you don't want to do. So it may be a fear of wastage. And so then digging into where that comes from and why that shows up for you. It could be a fear of judgment. So you might be going out to dinner and drinking alcohol because everyone else is, or you might be going out for dinner and eating foods that you wouldn't normally because of judging comments. And I've had this happen to myself and I've had myself choose foods that I didn't want because of that fear. And I stepped away. And you know what? The only person that I'm angry at is myself for doing that. And so the next time I do it, when I know that I'm just afraid of that judgment going into certain situations, then I can prepare myself for that and not make those choices that make me go into this spiraling uh, process of self-criticism. So it could be judgment, it could be a fear of wastage, or it could be a fear of the consequences. Perhaps you have been told years ago, it was drummed into you, that you have to eat salad at every meal to lose weight or only salad to lose weight, even though your body today might be saying you need something warm and filling in wintertime. You might have been told to not to eat meat because it's acidic, even though you feel like you need it, that your energy is low, your iron is low. And so this fear of consequences, sometimes of, of mistruths, we need to look at if that's a, a driving motivation of why you're eating. And then again, we can do something about it. You may be motivi- motivated by a fear of hurting someone's feelings or letting them down. You might be going to someone's house and you're too afraid to say, actually, I can't eat that, or I'm working really hard to do you know, A, B, C, D. And so that's fine. Again, sometimes you might go in prepared to say what I do most of the time is my position. So tonight I am going to eat it rather than going in worried about it and then stepping away and being self-critical of yourself. Or you can go in prepared and say in advance, you know, I'm going to bring my own food. This is really important to me, these steps that I'm doing. Whichever you choose, it's just important to know what the motivation is to eat so that you know how to cope with it and deal with it moving forward. So you go into curiosity and make change versus self-criticism. So you could have some fear that is motivating you. It might be even a, a fear of, of loss so you, or you grew up with scarcity and so you go to an all-inclusive place and you overeat because that might not be there tomorrow. Now, you know logically that it is going to be there tomorrow for you right now, but if that was something that you saw and heard and experienced as a child, then that might be a motivation that needs to, to have some new cognitive input put in to stop that fear response. Fear aside, it could purely be emotion. So the emotion might look like you're not hungry, but you eat anyway, and you're angry and frustrated or bored or hurt or worried, and you don't know how to move through that feeling, so you use food as a numbing behavior. 
And so in a situation like this, we start to work on our emotional intelligence. We start to use something like the DIP framework in the whole life success planner. There's a whole range of questions and it's it's probably a, a topic for another session, but if to identify the emotions, the exact emotion that is driving you towards something is really important. Not just saying I'm emotional, but pinpointing the exact emotion, your exact response, what the exact dialogue is to yourself in that emotion that is driving you to be motivated to eat a certain food that you don't want to want to eat. It might be purely out of habit that you eat. You might be always eating the same thing, porridge at breakfast, even though it's not the healthiest choice, but it's what you did as a child. It's what you've always done. And it's a habit. You might always eat at the same time, even though you're not hungry, or even though you're hungry at 10 o'clock in the morning and you would be better eating something nutritional, then you've got to wait till midday because that's lunchtime and that's when I should eat. It might be habit and it looks like um, whatever you learned as a child, it might be three meals a day. And although that may not suit you today, you still do it because of habit. Or it might be a habit that you don't try new foods just because you didn't when you were nine. There's a whole range of habits that will drive you to eat certain foods and motivate you to do that without you realizing why. It could be pleasure. It could be simply that something smells good or you overeat because you it, it tastes good or you see something and you want it even though you weren't thinking about it or you have to try something that somebody else is eating or you want something because somebody next to you said it was delicious. And so in that moment, that that response is is to get something that feels good and you've experienced that before, no doubt. And so that do- mesolimbic dopamine system is, is in play saying, give me that. It smells like that. It sounds like that. And I've been here before and I want that dopamine hit. So it could be pleasure. It could even be reward. So sometimes we overeat, not because we're down and unhappy. Sometimes we do it because we're uplifted. Sometimes you do something that you're really happy with and you feel like you need something as a reward. Or or on the flip side, you, you've overdone it and you think, oh, I'm not going to choose a healthy meal at the end of the week because I can justify it and say that I've had a massive week and I'm exhausted and eating and drinking will relax me. It could be just a driver, hidden motivation of fatigue and and the convenience is appealing to you. So it looks like eating something because somebody else made it and you can't be bothered making something better for yourself. It might look like that you're alone and you don't want to cook for yourself. It might look like you're choosing not to eat at all because you can't be bothered or you buy takeout and a frozen meal even though you're trying to be healthy. So fatigue and convenience might be a driver and when we dive into that, For example, it might be that you're alone and you don't want to cook because underneath that, that that actually is because you're not worth that. Then there's a whole range of things that we need to put in for cognitive input to start to change that unconscious thinking that motivates you to eat what you don't want to eat. So the key thing to this is knowing that sometimes we do it and that's not the problem. The problem is when we go into this spiraling self-sabotage because of the narrative that says, I've fallen off the wagon or you've ruined it and here we go again. So in the moment, we remind ourselves that what we do most of the time is our position. So that's okay that I just did that. But let me look into why I just did that and try and find out if any of those things ring true to you and then try and find out how that was developed earlier in your life or over certain, um, over your lifetime based on certain habits that you've introduced consistently. 
And then once you know what that reason is and you know when you do certain things, then we go back to that pattern of of getting what you want based on the the very first two episodes in, in this podcast around using knowing those transitional periods that that happens, putting pattern interrupts in those positions before those times arrive so that you can interrupt the automatic pattern. And then we have a very clear new input cognitively or a new action that happens in advance of the automatic behavior. And so when you mess it up, the very first step is what I do most of the time is my position. Good luck. I'm Erin Barnes, and I hope this brings a little more vibrancy, ambition, possibility, and wellness to your week. And if it does, I would be so very grateful if you could contribute your precious time to review the Next Generation Wellness Podcast. Podcast.